February 22nd edition of the Oilcast. It was game 61 of the season and three of six on the road trip. The Oilers snapped the Florida Panthers' five-game win streak thanks to Chris Russell's first goal of the season. In the next 15 minutes or so, I'll be discussing the Oilers' injury woes on the back end, McDavid's bounce-back performance, the urgency it takes to win down the stretch, and read some of your tweets. But first, the recap. Starting off the scoring was Oscar Kleffbaum, who finally got his 11th goal of the year after having one taken away yesterday. He intercepted an errant Panther clearing attempt and wired a clapper over the right pad of James Reimer. That was all the scoring in the period, but something that I wanted to note was that it was probably one of Connor McDavid's five best periods of the year. That man was flying. And then the early period woes for the Oilers carried over from last night's game with Alexander Barkov risking a power play goal past Cam Talbot less than a minute into the second. The more important note is that it came right after an Andre Sekera block shot that forced him to the locker room holding his arm or wrist area. The Oilers reclaimed that lead a little over halfway through the period. It was the last guy you'd expect, Eric Greiba, who sent a shot into the wide open net with James Reimer down and out on the ice. That lead didn't last long, however, this time it was Colton Sevier bearing the game-tying goal. But with a minute left in the period, in a mad scramble in front of the Panther net ended up in a Ryan Nugent Hopkins goal. And you'd think the Oilers would have been able to hold on for the last minute, but with just 3.9 seconds left in the second, Jonathan Marcheseau snuck between Clefbaum and Russell for a breakaway goal. Surprisingly, no one scored in the last four seconds of the period, and the game headed into the third, nodded at three. Then about 12 minutes into the third, Chris Russell scored his first goal of the season, and it could not have come in a better time. Off the rush, it was McDavid to dry settle to Russell, and he went shelf daddy on James Reimer for the game-winning goal for the Oilers. So the first thing that I, I think is the most important thing to note from this game is the Oilers' injury was on the defensive end, because um, I was already wanting to talk about Adam Larson being out. Obviously, that's a huge deal, whether it's a game or two or anything, because of how valuable we've seen the pairing of he and Clefbaum be. Um, but what could be much more important now with the uncertain status of uh, Andre Sekera coming out of this game, he went straight to the dressing room after he blocked a shot. It looked like it was off the wrist. Um, tough to tell exactly, but he definitely left holding that area. And you could see right after the goal, he was in pain, went straight to the dressing room. Um, and there really wasn't much of a hope of him coming back. So... Of course, the one disadvantage of doing a show like this right after the game is there is no update I can give you. Um, so I assume anyone listening to this will be in the loop and check check Twitter, check the news, check the Oilers website, find something out, and we'll hopefully have an update soon on the status of Andre Sekera. I just wanted to play a quick couple of clips from Todd McClelland on the Larson injury. Uh, this was pregame, and first one here is on pinpointing what exactly the injury is and when it happened. No, I, I know what the injury, it's a lower body injury now, but um, still don't know when or where. It's not one of those injuries that you can just say, hey, it was this moment or that hit or, or anything like that. So I just wanted to play that in contrast uh, to John Shannon, who tweeted that all signs were pointing to back spasms. So although Coach McClellan didn't specify exactly what happened, said it was lower body, um, what he said could be consistent with that. And I'm going to trust the reporting of John Shannon on this one. And then here is McClellan on the time frame and potential return of Larson. You know, if I was putting a lineup card together, I'd write his name down for Washington. That's how much I believe in him. But um, he and Mother Nature will dictate the pace of his return. So Oilers fans, breathe easy. Uh, obviously, we, we were all scared. Everyone was scared um, when he went out and no one really knew exactly what happened. But regardless of whether he misses another game or two, it seems like we'll be OK and have Larson back to play with Clefbaum and get that pairing going. But I just wanted to talk a little bit, I guess, about what the Oilers' defensive core looked like tonight in a game without 
um, Larson. Um, because something else uh, that uh, Coach McClellan mentioned in his interview, which I thought was very true, was that he talked about how him and Clefbaum had built such a good chemistry together over this past second, I would say the second half of the season, and how you definitely have to attribute part of that to the help he gets knowing that he's got Adam Larson playing with him, such a good defenseman. So I was really interested to see what would happen tonight. And my conclusions, I'd like to kind of say that it's it's all different with Andre Secker going out because that really messed with it. They were already coming in prepared to have their line switched up. But when it went down to 5D, things went a little crazy. Um, and I I didn't think Clefbaum played very good. I thought he made a couple of mistakes in the defensive end. He obviously scored the goal, which is nice. But I think there's much more to Clefbaum's game than his slap shot. And I didn't like what I saw completely. But at the end of the day, I don't want to put too much stock into it considering he not only was with out Larson, but then had to switch to 5D men partway through the game. And, of course, you could argue that Sekra has been the most consistent defenseman for the Oilers this season. Uh, the other thing that I wanted to note in regards to that was with the ice time coming out, um, it wasn't just Clefbaum who got a major increase in ice time. It was also Matt Benning who played nearly 26 minutes in this one, which is un- I mean, that would have been unthinkable just a few months ago when he made his NHL debut and I was here ripping him saying he's not an NHL defenseman. Again, sorry, Matt. Uh but for him to play that many minutes and for Clefbaum to play 26-21, which added to the 26-46 he played just last night, I mean, I don't have an issue at all with playing defenseman a lot of minutes. That's not something that I usually care about. But I look at Oscar Clefbaum and we've seen his injury history. And it's not to say he's going to get injured by playing more minutes by any means, but you look at a guy who hasn't played these complete seasons and isn't used to the 82-game grind the way other players are um, just based on injury history. I do have concerns if this were to become more of a trend. I don't want to see him getting fatigued or um, being put out in in positions where he's not able to succeed. Uh, Again, because of the hopeful hopefully short time that we'll see Adam Larson out I don't think this should be a big issue but I definitely want to consider that looking at um with Andre Sekera if he's out any more of a long period of time then I definitely think it's important to look at how the Oilers and coach McClellan manage the decor throughout this last stretch of the season the next thing I wanted to talk about was Connor McDavid tonight uh I basically decided before the game tonight that I was going to talk about him no matter what because I made this statement yesterday after he was definitely outplayed by his counterpart Tyler Johnson in that triplets line. I made the the statement that he was going to return with a vengeance tonight because my whole theory is that when you have a player this great, players this competitive who want to be great so badly like Connor McDavid, when they get shown up or get frustrated or any any sort of negative things that happen like that, they come back with an absolute vengeance. And I want to say that despite not getting any points in the first period, I thought that might have been his best period of the season. He easily could have been a part of three to four goals. Um, and I, I couldn't believe the way he was skating. We're so used to him dominating the game with his speed, but he legitimately started three two-on-ones just with his speed. It was unbelievable to see how when he really has that extra gear of motivation, it's unbelievable. And now I know a lot of people, whether media, fans, and obviously players themselves say it all the time, They, they the idea is that these great players, they, they care no matter what, and they are going to play their absolute best and give it 100% uh, every game no matter what. There's no extra motivation. I think that's BS. Um, I think that every player gives 100% no matter what, but there's an extra reserve that just 
it comes out certain times, whether it's McDavid playing against Brandon Manning or whether it was maybe Crosby versus Ovechkin or in this case, following up a bad game. There's just a reserve that I feel like it can't be tapped most of the time. And I think it's ridiculous to think that players don't use extra stuff as motivation. I mean, you hear stories about players who take the, the smallest of slights and use that as motivation. I remember I was listening to the Dan Patrick show last year and Drew Brees, the all-time great quarterback, came on. And what they did was they got him to read his draft profile from before he came into the league. And it was just a bunch of negative stuff. And it was kind of, they do that as kind of a joke to make fun of the 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 mock drafts and all that kind of stuff. But what they talked about afterwards was how Drew Brees went to the producer of the show afterwards and said, hey, can you give me that uh, that sheet of paper? I want to I wanna read that before I work out. And I think that that is so indicative of the way these players work. The mind of a great player is such an interesting thing because they're not wired the same way you and I are. We might want to be great. We might think we're great. But when you look at people, specific men who are so good at their sports, women too, I should say that, um, who are so good at their sports, it it's not the skill alone. Connor McDavid obviously has the skill of the best player you've ever seen, but when you hear stories about him as a kid, they, you you hear stories about how he um, how he wouldn't go out at night because he just wanted to stay home and work on his game and be better than someone else and all that kind of stuff. And it's just that extra gear that people... That, that certain guys have that they can tap into, that motivation, that chip on their shoulder that they always have. That's something you see oftentimes with undersized players in any sport. Um, you, it's that chip on that shoulder being told you're too small to do this or whatever whatever the reason is and always having to prove someone wrong. So that's when I, why when Connor McDavid got outplayed la- last night, which is something we never see, I, I felt so confident that he was going to come out absolutely flying. And I think that that proved to be true in this in this case. Um, and it wasn't just the first period where he was awesome. Uh, he created another couple of two-on-ones along with a numerous other scoring chances. Obviously, he got the assist. But regardless of his point total, this was the kind of game where he could have had four or five points just through pure domination. And that's just one of those things that I, that I love to see how we've got a guy that can rise the occasion. That's also my theory when it comes to the Oilers slumping for extended periods of time. I, like I think most Oilers fans, have more fear about a, about a, about a late-season collapse than the outside world. Um, I'm still looking back every, after every game how far we are ahead of um, Calgary and the, uh, and the LA Kings or the Nashville Predators just to ensure that we somehow get in the playoffs when most people are thinking, what are you talking about? You're 12 points up. That's ridiculous. But, of course, we're used to the fear of somehow collapsing because we're the Oilers. But... My response in my own mind is I think that we have Connor McDavid and we have a guy who's that great and willing to put his team on his back so easily that my my whole theory is that with a guy like him, if we go on a four-game losing streak, in the fifth game, McDavid's going to have one of those nights that he just can't be stopped and will single-handedly turn the team around. And we know that he's not the most vocal leader in the world, but guys look at someone like that who would then maybe show up to practice the next day and chide his players for not, his teammates for not putting in 100% effort and go out there and set an example of, I'm going to come here early, stay late, and work even harder than I normally do and bring that out the next game. And that's kind of the difference when you have a leader like Connor McDavid. And that's why when when... When I talk about how the Oilers are, there's no way they're not going to be a good team the next 10 years. I'm not saying they're going to be a Stanley Cup team every year. That's a ridiculous thing to assume. But 
when you've got guys, uh, one specific guy like this, there's no way you can be bad as a team because he won't let that happen. He won't allow complacency amongst his teammates. It obviously helps that you've got guys like Milan Lucic, a coach like Todd McClellan who's been around, a GM like Pete Chiarelli, and, uh, and obviously some other guys. But at the end of the day, there's just a certain level of excellence that's expected when you're playing with a guy like Connor McDavid. And I guess I kind of want to relate that into the idea that I wrote down before the game of complacency or urgency, because that was a common thread that came out of the last couple of games. First, the Chicago one, and then the loss, of course, to Tampa was that uh, Tom McClellan, especially, but I heard numerous other people say this, and I agree with it, is the idea of complacency. And around this time of the year, especially when you look at the East, where every team is within just a few points of that playoff spot and a slump could end things and a, and a win streak could really put you in a good position, these teams are all playing with desperation. And the Oilers aren't in that position of desperation right now. They've positioned themselves very well. They're better than being in a position of desperation. But for a young team where you look at... Um, most of the players, the players that have been around, they're not even used to being around uh, the playoffs at this time of year, so it's totally different. Um, and then a lot of the players are younger. Of course, McDavid just hasn't been in the NHL. Um, same with Leon Dreisaitl. You look at, at situations like this and you wonder how is the team going to respond in this last stretch of games where over the next, say, 15 days, pre-trade deadline and post-trade deadline, where you've got teams just scraping and clawing to ensure that they'll be in the playoff hunt come the last real final stretch of the year. And it'd be very easy right now for the Oilers to play complacently and be outworked by their opponents, which is something that I think Todd McClellan has shown concern about. And so that was something I wanted to see tonight after a game against Chicago that was very lackluster. Of course, they did win it, but like Coach McClellan said, the two good things were that they got the two points and they had Cam Talbot in that. Um, and then, of course, the Tampa Bay game where I thought they were just severely outworked all three periods. It was just a very poor performance from the whole team. And I would say in the game tonight, I didn't really get much of an answer to that. Um, I wanted to kind of come in with more of an opinion on it, but... The reason I guess I most want to talk about it is because going forward, I think it's another huge thing to look at for the Oilers is will they play like a team who's desperate and needs every two points? Um, I understand that they don't technically need every two points right now in terms of making the playoffs, but they're between first, second or third. They could finish any of those realistically in the division. And regardless of that, it's just a matter of being a playoff winning team. You have to have that mentality. So tonight I thought, I mean, the McDavid line was fantastic. Again, with the decor, I, I have a tough time putting much blame because, again, no Adam Larson and then losing Sekera partway through the game and going down to 5D. It was just a very difficult situation for all of them. Um, so, I, but, but I will say that I thought that a couple of the lines, again, looked very weak. Uh, those second and third lines, I didn't think they did all that much. I was happy with Lucic tonight. I'll point that out quickly. But all in all, again, another lackluster performance from the second and third line. Um, I will give credit to Ryan and Hopkins for scoring the goal that we talk about you needing to get when you're slumping is being in the crease and scraping away and battling and bearing a, a greasy goal like that. But I'm very much looking towards the, those middle two lines, the second and third lines um, heading, heading towards the home stretch of how much tenacity they're going to play with, how much need for the win. Um, just something to pay attention to as the season's going on. And, specifically though Milan Lucic because I do think he played well tonight but 
I talked when when he came here. This was one of the happiest days of my life when he signed with the Oilers. Because and what I said was it would, he's going to provide an under leadership through the regular season. But I'm looking towards the stretch run in the playoffs where he's going to bring that playoff hockey mentality, that leadership mentality. So I'm really looking towards him in this stretch run. A, really bringing his game up. I don't care too much about the points, but bringing the game up in all aspects and showing that kind of leadership for the young kids and not just the young kids, the guys that have been around here a while and haven't experienced any playoff success. Now I'll read some of your tweets a little bit with some hashtag Oilers um, from the cynic. Uh, Chris Russell has now surpassed Jordan Aberle in game winning goals with one. I, I, I don't really have a comment on that. I'm just really upset to read something like that. Then from Brett Litke, my heart is beating a million times a minute. How am I going to survive the playoffs? I mean, we're not jinxing anything, but when it comes to it, for us Oilers fans, God, can you imagine what it's going to be like knowing, like, it's just a feeling that none of us have experienced in so long. And again, I'm, a, I'm part of the younger generation. So for all of us, uh, 25 and under, this is just going to be a brand new experience. And oh my God, it's going to be so stressful. And then from the NHL verified Twitter account, the Oilers are three points out of first in the Pacific thanks to Chris Russell's game-winning goal. I'd like to repeat, three points out of first in the Pacific. That's a that's a that's unbelievable. This is an eight-team division with the last 20 games of the season, and we are fighting for first place. And so that was basically my way of ending with a little bit of positivity. Uh, that's all I've got for you tonight. Next game comes. Um, on the 24th on Friday at Washington going to be a very tough game but an opportunity for us to really prove ourselves as a powerful threatening team in the playoffs I'll talk to you Friday